0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here and online. And We're going to finish up the book of Job before I'm gone. How's that? So we're going to have to jump ahead like 20 chapters. <laughs> but I really wanted to get in. I didn't want to leave you hanging for the rest of your life. What happened to Job? And what did we learn from it? So we're finally going to hear what God has to say. After 30-some chapters of Job questioning God, God now questions Job. And God answers Job, but not like he expected. And so the title of our study is God Answers. So look with me at Job 38. Unique. He, he he was angry at Job for accusing God, and he was angry at Job's friends. So we're not sure where Elihu fits in there, but he's young, and that's what he says. I, I kept my mouth shut because I'm younger than you guys, but now I can't stand it. I gotta say something, and so he he in his discourse he talks about a a coming storm, and it's on the horizon, and so it is out of this storm this storm that's coming is God is coming in this storm. And so the first thing we see from point number one tonight, God often speaks to us out of the storms of life. So here's this storm coming, and God's preparing to speak. And in, in your life as well, the storms come. They come and they go, but if we are careful and watching and listening, God can speak to us in the storm. It's in those darkest nights of our soul that we often hear God speak to our hearts. Why is that? Why does it take the darkest nights, the storms, before we hear God's voice? Where does the farmer plant the seed? Fertile ground. Yes. That is when I think we're most receptive and fertile and ready to receive because we're wanting it so badly. Amen. Amen. Yes, excellent. Other other ideas? Yes. So I heard an analogy recently and it was talking about the storms and you know God's you know he wets the ground but then he can make things grow. Mm, good. It takes the rain, doesn't it? The rain has to come. And, you know, what a a weird year we've been having with the rain. My goodness, it's supposed to rain in a couple days, you know. And so it's just... But I love the sound of rain. Now, I've realized that I love it because we rarely hear it. (laughs) If you live in Oregon, you you don't love the sound of rain because that's all you hear for nine months. But the other day, I heard... The rain outside, and so I love to just go sit on the patio and 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 listen to the rain. So I got got all excited. I got outside on the patio and I got ready to sit down, and I realized it was the sprinklers. (laughs) The sprinklers were on. It wasn't raining, and I'm telling you, it's just not the same sitting there with sprinklers on. So, but you gotta have the rain. It's gotta come in our life because that's where growth comes, and. When we're in those moments of the the darkest night, for some reason we are able to hear the Lord. Ike, you had your hand up. Yes, sir. When we run out of our own resources and we're on that sinking ship, we look for the life raft. Yes, yeah. And and that's and sometimes God has to bring us to that place. We hate the storms of life, but it's in those storms that we come to know God more deeply. We we go for the life raft. We we need the rain and. This is the very thing Job had been hoping for and demanding of God that he would come down and speak to him. He didn't expect God to come in a storm. And so he's about to get his wish, but it's not what he expected. Remember, 30-some chapters, God come down and let me defend myself. He's been saying that over and over again, his friends accusing him. And it was as if Job was expecting God to sit down and so Job could give him a talking to Job expected the Lord to be there and and Job was going to present his case to God. Can you imagine? A little bit of hubris there. God, let me explain it to you. You're missing it here, so let me explain. And so when God came down, it was Job who was going to get to talking to. How many times have we wanted God to speak to us and almost demanded that he answer our questions. And yet he does it his way, not our way. We're not in a place to dictate to God how he can speak to us. He can speak to us in a still, small voice or he can speak to us through the storm. But it's not our place to tell him how. And so it, it, it takes those times in our life where we're willing to receive the rain. So that we can hear what God is, has to say to us so Job asked questions and demanded answers from God. And here is God's answer. This is awesome. Job 38.2. God says, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Job's got to be thinking, wait a minute. Right, you know, he's been demanding to hear God. And God shows up and says, who are you? Job's, God's first words to Job are not an answer, but a question. So Job wants answers, God says, who, asks his own question, who are you? And in the process, God has some questions for Job. And he, he answers some of those questions indirectly, but what we're going to find out is God really does not answer Job like Job wanted him to answer him. He he asked a question, and God asks a question back. Jesus used the same approach. Don't you love how Jesus handled the Pharisees? He would he would lead them right into a, a trap, and then that trap would snap, and they'd be stuck. I mean, why in the world would you try to trip up Jesus? But they did. They tried time and time again to trip him up by asking, a, you know, like a question about taxes. You know, nobody likes that, you know, and so... They tried to trip him up. Who, who's, who should, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because he knew the people hated taxes. But he also knew he could get Jesus in trouble with the Romans. And Jesus brilliantly just says, who's, whose picture is on it? Well, Caesar, then give it to him. It's his. And give to God what is God's. And so, but they'd still try again after they got humble pie all over their face. And here it is in Mark eleven twenty seven. 27. They arrived again in Jerusalem. And while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, these miracles? They asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism. Was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves (laughs) and said, if we say from heaven he will ask them, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people for everyone held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. We have to be careful in questioning God. I I do think God can handle sincere questions when we're struggling in our faith, when we're in the storms of life. So when when does our questioning become a problem? Or when does it cross over to the realm of sin? Any, any idea? Because the psalmist asked questions, but it wasn't sin. So what is the, the marker to carry over? Yes. Like accusatory question. Okay. You're accusing God of whatever wrong that you're going through. Yes, and, and we're not actually looking for answers. We're looking to blame God. We just want to accuse Him. And so that certainly crosses the line. I think God can handle a sincere question but many times our questions are accusations they're not they're not the sincere questions any other thoughts upon that yes also sometimes justification people you know say well was i supposed to let my family starve or rob this store right right it, we justify it in our own mind you know one of the things i've been trying to you know we need to quote the word if we're having spiritual warfare And so we need to know the word. And, you know, what I've been quoting lately, just felt the Lord impressed on me, is to quote uh, Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because I want the devil to know, "Though, though I get slain, I will trust God. I will not listen to your lies. I will not give in to your intimidation. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And we need those professions of faith in our life. And we can ask all the questions. The accusatory questions. But it's not going to get us anywhere. In fact it will get us further from God. Because when we ask those accusatory questions. It does not draw us near to the Lord. It's, it's drawing us near to the enemy. Because he's planting those seeds. So Jesus knew their questions weren't sincere. But they were questions of accusation, doubt and unbelief. So number two. Our questioning God is often rooted in our unbelief and lack of trust. We're trying to make sense of everything before we'll believe. I was listening to the chapter on faith over and over again, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham left his family and went to a land that he had never been at. You know, that to me is, is amazing that, you know, we're, we're trying to make sense first Okay, God, tell me everything that's going to happen and then I'll go. But God's saying, no, no, you go and then I'll reveal myself to you. And that's the, journey, that's the Christian journey. Much of the Christian journey, you know, we know it. It's by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so God is going to require faith from us. And sometimes it will not make sense to our limited understanding. And, and if we try... To make sense of it, it actually can weaken our faith. At the heart of the book of Job is trust. Job had obedience down pat, right? Blameless, faultless. He had the obedience down. What Job was lacking was the faith. And God had to correct this because his theology was backwards. Job was a man of works. He believed in salvation by works. That's why he did all those good deeds and why he made sacrifices for his children. And so we, we see that Job was truly of the old covenant, that it's, a, it's a, a religion of works. But what God wanted to reveal to him, Job, it's a relationship of faith. And while your, your obedience is good, it's not what gets you to heaven. It's, it's faith. Now, give me a chance give me to, to explain that all out. Job was weak in the area of trust. Some of us are the same way. We obey. We live good lives. We do good works. But we struggle trusting God. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some areas of my life where I completely trust God. Have no fear, no concern, whatever. And then there's these areas that I'm still wrestling with after all these years. That, and God has proved himself time and time again. Why are we so reluctant to trust we we know he's answered he's he's come through not always like we wanted to but why do we still after all these years struggle with trust yes Yeah. and people that can see we take that for granted and we think we can do whatever we want to do and we think we know because we can see but we're spiritually blind and we need God to lead us because we're going to trip over things that we can't see that he can yes amen and it's sometimes our sight is a is a handicap for us because we won't believe it till we see it yep. and yet you know we can't we can't have faith unless you know it's by it's by not by sight I Yes. Yes. Yes, we have compartmentalized our lives and some of those compartments are wounded. And, and we're afraid to trust God there. And yet at some point, you, it's a choice. I'm going to trust you, Lord. There's nothing else I can do. And we make a choice of our will, and the emotions will come later. <laughs> Sometimes we're waiting for the feeling of faith. You know, faith is not a feeling. It's, it's a commitment. It's a choice. And we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of our, of our, our, uh, of our obedience? So look at Romans 1.5. Through him, Jesus Christ, and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. This is important. Number three, God isn't just looking for obedience. He's looking for obedience that comes from faith. How many of you know that people can obey God and still not believe in him? But if you believe in him, you will obey him. You can do good works and still lack the faith, but if you have the faith, those good works will come. Yes. I've been working with this client for 10 years. He calls me every night. And he married into a family where his wife is mentally ill. She gets pregnant with a disorder. And he doesn't know what to do. She's in her mid-40s. mm Yes. Um so you have to even ask me what to do. I said, first of all, you gotta take the double path. Because he has options. Yeah. And uh he's been scared to take the options. Right. And you're you're exactly right. And a lot of times that path is difficult. And, but you're right about this too, that parents, we, we are to teach our children how to be strong. And the way we learn strong, to grow stronger, is resistance, some kind of resistance in our life. If we bail our kids out of every problem, they're not going to have the strength on their own to survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there isn't one of us that hasn't gotten this far without having our trust betrayed, good point being disappointed, you know, lied to and even deceived. And so working off of that experience without the faith to believe that God is worthy of our trust, yes. we put the same limitations that humanity has on him. Yeah. We look at God through the lens of people who have failed us. And, and it's unfair to God because he has never failed us. Now, he may haven't answered our prayer like we wanted or when we wanted, but it, he has never failed us. And yet we take that, but people have. Oh, people have failed us. And so because of that, we judge God. And, and this is a sad commentary. We, we, we judge God based on his, his people. That have hurt us, and so that's a that's a that's a challenge for us to be trustworthy, on the one hand. But it's also a challenge for us. R- really, we should trust no one else but God. I mean, obviously, we trust people, but not to the level we trust God, and because people will disappoint us. Yes. So that's right. And isn't that what the contest in the book of Job is? God trusts Job. And he he told the devil that. Watch my son. He's not going to curse my name and and die. So, I mean, he's doing that. He has shown his trust in Job. And Job got to some weak moments, and we will as too. But I want you to know God is trusting you to trust him through this trial and through this storm. I realize how much of my life I have strived to live in obedience but have lacked the faith in an area of my life. It's not enough just to obey him. We must learn to trust him. You can obey without having much faith but you can't have faith without obeying. And in fact, that's how we, that's how we show our love for God, the book of 1 John says, is, is we will obey. If you love him, you will obey him. You will, And his commands are not burdensome. And so, either way, what we need more of is faith. And so God says to Job, who is this? In, in fact, he doesn't say, who are you? <laughs> he's like, he's getting the audience of heaven. Who is this guy? <laughs> this is not to say God didn't know who he was, because he knew from the beginning of the book, but... He's saying, in other words, who do you think you are, Job? You, You want an answer? Here I am. I am the answer. And God says, who is this that darkens my counsel? This is an interesting translation of the Hebrew. So let's look at that. Darken means to withhold light from, to hide, to obscure, to confuse. And counsel means the plans, purposes, and wisdom of God. And so God is saying, Job, you are hiding my truth and my purpose. You are darkening my counsel and you are confusing things. And instead of illuminating the truth of God, Job made it dimmer. And he, by asking his questions, he confused it and distorted it. Job spoke out of his ignorance. And thereby confuse the truth about who God really is. And much of our confusion about the acts of God is due to our limited perspective. When we question God accusatory, we are revealing our ignorance. But more than that, we must be careful because we can confuse others with our questioning the goodness of God. This is an important thing about those in a marriage relationship. Sometimes when I've been strong Jolene's been weak and when she's weak I am strong. You know there's times we go back and forth. But we can really discourage our spouse and by by our words. And it's not it's bad enough that we're discouraging ourselves. But we really need to commit and have the discipline especially when our when a spouse is hurting and struggling. Not to pour it on, but to draw them into faith. To, to, to share the word. And, and we, we just have to encourage one another in this journey as fellow believers. And so, number four, when we use human reasoning to define God, we distort the truth and we darken his counsel. We don't want to darken his counsel. Especially to our spouse or someone close to us. That's the last thing we want to do is make our light dimmer. Or make their understanding more confusing. Because when we accuse God, we darken his counsel. And God tells Job, you spoke without knowledge. And yet, all his friends talk about their great knowledge and their great experience. And God says, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Job did not know the whole picture, but he judged God anyway. Why, why is that? We, we know we don't know the whole picture, So why do we accuse God anyway? Yes. Well, in our minds, like, we have a tendency to form a whole picture. Like, if you look at words that are, like, garbled, like, that look like they have, you can read it. Because your mind fills in the blanks. And so you kind of think that, you know, you have the superiority. Your brain kind of fills in the gaps for you. And you lean on your own understanding instead of understanding Him. Yes. That's exactly right. And, and you know, we know God knows it all from the beginning to the end to the future, and we don't. And yet we still, like you said, try to fill in the blanks. We try to make it our own picture. Remember those pictures you used to stare out, stare at, and then they'd become 3D? I mean, your eyes are crossed, and I mean, it, it took a special skill to find that. And that's kind of what it is in our, you know, God knows the picture. He knows the and we're, we're trying to see it with our natural eyes, and we just can't see it. it. Ironically, Job was guilty of the same thing his three friends accused him of doing. Job did not know the whole story, but he challenged God. So let's not use words without knowledge. When we speak of things about which we don't know the whole story, we're using words without knowledge. Job presumed he knew everything that was going on, but he didn't. And so, but this is, this is what is important. Sometimes when we don't know it, we try to just get information. We try, to, we try to increase our knowledge. But let me say this, number five. We don't just need more information about God. We need a greater, greater revelation of God. And it's a big difference. Because so I'm telling you, a heathen can get knowledge about God but they're, they're not a believer. They're not a child of God. We, we need truth revealed. Revelation means to uncover, to take the lid off. And so, unbelievers cannot find revelation in reading God's word. Now sometimes if they're, if they're searching and seeking, God will, will take off the lid and give them a glimpse and, and it's like, Maybe you you if you remember you were a believer or before you were a believer and you tried to read the word and it didn't make sense to you. Anybody like that? Before you were a believer, you just they're just words. But once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, those words become life. And it's a revelation of God. And there's and only the Spirit can bring that kind of revelation. It's not enough just to have knowledge. So what is the difference between gaining knowledge and receiving revelation? What what is the difference between the two? Relationship. Critical. Relationship brings revelation. And information does not bring revel- does not bring a relationship. It's not based You can you can get all sorts of information and have no relationship with God whatsoever. But if you want a revelation from God, it's going to require personal time with God. For God to, to take the lid off of our lives. Look at Job 38.3. I love this. So God first says, who is this? And then he says this. Brace yourself like a man. I just love that. Buckle up. What are some other analogies we could say? Oh, when God says brace yourself like a man. Man, you better brace yourself. Here it comes. I will question you and you shall answer me. I imagine Job's quivering right now. You know, brace yourself like a man. And I, I love that because who are we? Our God is an, a consuming fire. We need, there is a time where we need to be, we've gone too far in our questioning. And now God's said, okay, brace yourself. That's never a, a good sign if God tells you to brace yourself. <laughs> Because he's, he's about to bring some some revelation. I guess that's about perspective. Because if he's talking to you, then that's a good thing. Yeah, that is true. And, and, and maybe he's, he is saving our, our, our skin at that point. It's good that he does call us to brace ourselves. Now, what's interesting is this phrase, brace yourself like a man, literally means gird up your loins like a warrior. Now, uh, Because men wore robes back in the day. When they would run or prepare to fight, they would gather up their robes and tuck it in their belt. And that's called girding your loins. So you could run. How many of you know you can't run in a robe? So they they would take that robe and tuck it into their belt. They'd gird up their loins, especially when they were prepared to fight. God is saying, Job, get ready to rumble. Gird yourself, gird your loins, brace yourself like a man, because Job has picked a fight he cannot win, but it's going to happen. You know, Job's de, Job has demanded over and over that God come down, and so God's like, "You wanted this, you asked for this." So, gird yourself, gird your loins like a warrior, because we're about to mix it up. Uh, Pastor Ken Burnett was sharing in our staff devotions this week. About Jacob wrestling with God. You got to get Pastor Ken's book. He's got a great book. And it ministered to me. You know, that, that challenge of there are times we, we wrestle with God and he touches our hip and we, we learn not to challenge him again by the, the, the hobble and the limp that uh, Jacob had. And so, number six if we question God on our terms, then we'd better get ready to answer him on his terms. God has put up a lot with Job's friends and with Job, and now it's time to confront it. God first said, who are you? Look at Job 38.4. Next thing God says is, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And that you ought to read the rest of chapter 38. It is gorgeously poetic. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, when I called forth this ocean? And I mean, read it. It is powerful. And this, you know, God first says, who is this? Who are you? And then he says, where were you when all this took place? So God, those are the two questions God's going to ask. Who are you? Who are you to question me? And then second, where were you when I did all these things? Did you instruct me? When God goes on to describe the laws of nature, it is stunning what God has to say. And it's in the vernacular of the day. Some people say the Bible's not accurate because it doesn't quote science because it talks about sunrise and sunset, and we know the earth revolves. It doesn't rise. Give me a break. Who says, isn't that a beautiful revolution? Everybody says sunrise. I mean, it's just... (laughs) We know the sun doesn't really rise. We know it doesn't set. It spins. But what I love about God's word, it always speaks in the vernacular of the people. God is, the Bible is not a science book, but when it speaks on science, it's accurate. Even the Bible talks about the circle of the earth. How many generations after that believed in a flat earth? If they had just read the Bible... It talks about the circle of the earth. So when the Bible speaks on science, it is accurate, though it's not intended to be a science book. But when, you know, it frustrates me when atheists and agnostics try to put that on, you know, that the the Bible isn't accurate. Well, we say the same terms that people do. God, God questions Job not to humiliate him, but to allow him to see what he's lacking in knowledge and experience. Job is going to be forever changed. I, you know, it's amazing how his life became so different after this revelation of God. And let, let, let us have a revelation of God. So that our lives can be changed. And so I want to close with this last point. When God speaks, we realize how very little we really know. You know that old hymn, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. We, we, we have to be content enough to know God because he knows everything else. We don't have to know everything else. That's up to God. We just need to know God. We need to know the one who knows everything. And sometimes we're, we're pursuing knowledge that is of no value. Pursu- we should pursue God who will reveal himself to us and his word. So let's pray. God, I thank you as we come to the end of this book. Lord, with all the questioning that has taken place, all the challenges that Job has faced. And God, now you, you, you've come to be in his presence, in his face. Not because you wanted to destroy him, but you wanted to love him. And you wanted to teach him and you wanted to instruct him and reveal who you really are because Job had a misconception of God. He had a false image in his own mind of who God was. And so Lord, I thank you that you're not an idol or an image. You are a a person, your personal God. And so Father, I thank you that you are the great I am, Yahweh. And I pray that we'd live that out in our own lives, Lord. And God, that in those times where we've gone too far, may we brace ourselves like a man, and receive what you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're gonna, the next week, next week, so this is God Answers. Next week it's gonna be Job Answers God. What does Job say after he's heard from God? And then we're gonna finish up with, that was scary. Uh, <laughs> then we're gonna finish up with, uh, the, the blessing that Job receives at the end. So we're going to finish this before D-Day. Okay. Bless you folks. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 AM in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, Check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.